0: Welcome to Pete's Percussion Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Zambito, and we're here with episode 357 and part two of my conversation with the assistant professor of jazz studies at the University of South Carolina, jazz drum set artist, composer, arranger, ensemble director, and much more, Colleen Clark. Let's get right back to it. We follow from last week's conversation with Colleen, which I hope you've Already gotten to hear. Last week, we chatted with Colleen about the jazz program at USC and getting the job there, her group CC and the Adelitas, Jazz Girls Day, her sports background, and growing up in Connecticut. This time on part two, we get to her undergrad years at Ithaca College in New York, her master's degree program from SUNY Purchase, and her doctoral degree at the University of North Texas along with the usual portion that closes out our show. Two items about that final portion, just to let you know. One, our conversation took place prior to both this year's Wimbledon tournament, which Novak Djokovic would lose to Carlos Alcaraz in the final, and both of those players are mentioned here, and also before the Women's World Cup began, prior to the U.S. Women's National Team losing early in the round of 16. Make note of that. Two, this final portion also includes one of the best examples I've ever heard of someone describing traffic in the Northeast. Make sure to listen for that. All right, let's get to it. We recorded this interview over Zoom on June 28th, 2023, and it begins right now. Why why Ithaca? specifically look put it that way
1: yeah so my choice was between Ithaca and North Texas North Texas had offered me um well both had offered me some some bread and whatnot and obviously North Texas was the financially uh intelligent choice um North Texas is still a very financially intelligent choice um I think at the time it was like 5,000 a year
0: yeah
1: um Ithaca at the time was 30,000 a year um Why Ithaca? Honestly, what happened was I didn't want to go that far away. That was far. Texas is far from Connecticut. I had a really amazing audition with Gordon. We clicked immediately. And the other thing is my sister um, had gone to Ithaca College, too. So my family um, had already had a relationship with the school, understood where, you know, all about it. it was far enough, but close enough. It was about five, 300 miles, five hour drive. Oh, um, perfect.
0: That's a perfect, they have to tell you they're coming. That's that's the distance you want.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. But in an emergency, it was like fine, you know, like yeah, right. it, it was reasonable. Um, But yeah, honestly, I mean, it was, my sister and I grew up very fortunate in that our deal with our parents was that they'd cover undergraduate and anything else. It was up to us. I mean, I love working for USC uh, really? for various reasons, but one of them is the cost of of tuition here. It's very manageable. And um, if you are from out of state and you get a, a scholarship, you will have in-state tuition. And that's how it goes. And that's how it should be. Um, I think too many, too many uh, kids get out of school and they're in debt and uh, it's a really tough way to live. It's really hard. You know, another perk of being here is that I can, I can very confidently tout the fact that it's not an obscene amount of money to go here.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And again, the quality education you're going to get here uh, is equivalent to other places. And and the other thing I, I haven't, I've, I've, I've failed to mention. Our Dean has taken the past 12 years to fundraise. I think it was $12 million for not only, um, the hiring of, of myself and Dr. White, but also for the university to be able to buy the Me- green street Methodist church, which is across the street from the school of music. Uh, it's a Methodist church with a big, beautiful sanctuary. That's going to be our main, uh, home of jazz studies. Mm-hmm. So, um, our offices are connected. There are two buildings connected to the main sanctuary. So our offices and our classrooms are all there. We should be moving in shortly actually. The main sanctuary will be the main uh, performance space and we're building a jazz club in the basement. You know, the Dean is saying, uh, this, this is a standalone jazz studies situation, this type of environment, this type of, uh, building, uh, us as faculty, um, where we're going and our vision with it. Um, it's, it's, uh, very exciting and it's, it's, it's a, it's a really big deal. And again, the cost of it, is uh, is also a, a great factor. So, um, so yeah. To get back to to my study at Ithaca College, yeah, it was that. It was like threefold. It was, of course, cost. Like we all families always talk about the mentorship that I knew I was going to get from Gordon because we had a good connection from that um, audition and the connection that my family already had with the university, um, having known um, known it well. My sister's five years older than me, so basically she graduated and then I started the next year, kind of thing.
0: What was when you start working with Gordon? What are the things that he's like? Okay, you're really good here. And then there's things you gotta do. What was yeah. what was some of that stuff?
1: Oh, I didn't know how to play the marimba at all. That wasn't something that I, I had I had, I think the only time I had played on a five octave marimba was in my audition. I didn't even know like I was like, where's the middle?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So And I mean, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that I just wasn't exposed to that. And so I had been practicing on a vibraphone and a xylophone, but I didn't know, you know, he's like, you're, you're obviously most skilled in the drum set. Um, so I need to strengthen all of your other areas. I'm not, he didn't say I couldn't play the drum set. That was never a thing. He said, we just need to strengthen everything else. And so his big thing and the biggest takeaway that I always take that I always have in my head from Gordon was quality of sound. If you know how to get a quality sound out of one instrument, you can do it out of all of them. And so that really, I mean, and now that I think about it, I I talked to him about it too. I think it's really like a molar approach, like how he strikes the marimba. It's like this, this motion it's yeah. very similar to how I play the drum set in, in that molar fashion in that molar, using that molar technique. And so um, I've, I've said it to him before and he's like, well, I've never really thought of it like that. You know, it's like, okay. But I think, you know, I think that's a good that, impression. <laughs> oh yeah. That, yeah. It's my man. So, but that's his thing. Quality sound. He doesn't yeah. want to, if, if someone doesn't have a good sound, you're not going to listen to him. And I'm, I agree. Mm-hmm. The sound is what attracts listeners. Yeah. So if off the bat you got an abrasive, crass, brash sound, ain't mm-hmm. nobody gonna listen to that. So yeah, he taught me that from the get-go. It's like, Colleen, you gotta focus on your sound. Everything else will fall into place. It's like, okay.
0: That took so a while. Would, yeah. Well, I how would that or how would he develop that?
1: Well, I mean, he he goes through. It's like weeks of like how he shows you how how to hit the instrument, you know. Especially he'll show you in the lower lower end of the instrument. And then once he gives you that that this is you know my takeaways from studying with the you know four masters, Mr. Leipag, Gordon, Ed, and John Riley. They give you the tools and then they leave you alone. And however, because every student is different. Um, however the student figures out how to use those tools It's how it's going to work for them. It's not going to look the same as, you know, me and Pete standing next to each other. It's not going to look the same. That's a big thing that I have in my teaching too. Like my whole thing is I I show them, and this is an ed thing, drummer number one, drummer number two. Okay. Let's assess. Usually they're polar opposites, right? Um, this is so that my students can choose. I want to sound like this. But I got I know I have to be able to sound like both so that I can make an informed decision in that musical moment. Gordon was doing the same thing. You want to sound like this or you want to sound like this? It's like, oh, I want to sound like this. but how did you get that sound so that I can I, the musician, the artist, can make musical decisions about how I want something to be uh, presented to an audience. And so yeah, it was that um he would he would go through technique. you know, he's got his own Gordy grip um how he holds the, yeah. the mallet's um he t- but he t- he teaches all the techniques i had started on stevens yeah. and that didn't go well for me um and so i ended up doing um like zeltzman like traditional uh cross Crossword. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and that worked fine for me and that that was me you know but yeah i i think just if we were to get to the core of of, of all those masters it's like sound sound production you know if you have a good sound people will stay longer to listen to see what you have to say
0: and this would also be a a physical way of producing the sound but also being able to spot visually
1: yeah the differences yep yep definitely i mean we we all know that someone comes in super tense it's going to sound uh crass ugly right we gotta uh, work on that stuff for sure. Um, and the marimba is such a specific instrument because everybody plays it differently. Um, and it is a visual instrument as well, right? It's very obvious to see if, if, if someone is uh, approaching it in a way that's going to be harmful, either harmful to the instrument or um, harmful to them physically. But yeah, if, if we were to focus on sound production, it also makes us actually listen to what we're doing when we're practicing, which is a, a big thing that, um, younger musicians or, or people that are, are newer, I won't say younger people that are newer to practicing. Um, I think it's like, uh, I always make them video themselves and actually watch it, you know, without the sound, this is an Ed thing. Like he's always like, watch it without the sound because you sound, your movement is a, a direct reflection of how you sound. So movement is sound. Um, And and it's the same with any instrument, any percussion instrument, you know, when we're striking something. Um, And then I have them watch it with the with the sound on so they can hear. Oh, right. When I do that. Oh, yeah, that's not as that's not as high quality as when I was relaxed or whatever. Mm -hmm.
0: So how do you get to purchase?
1: John Riley. I mean, I knew I wanted to study with him. Um, and it wasn't sixty thousand dollars to go to purchase like it was at MSM.
0: Yeah.
1: You know? And I was already a New Yorker, you know, having lived in in uh in Ithaca and everything. And he's like, just go to SUNY. I won't I what did he say? I'm not going to miss your lessons. Cause that's the big thing in New York. It's like, you never know if the teacher is going to be there. Cause they're out of town all the time. He missed two lessons in two years. Mark Giuliano did one of them and Doug Weiss did the other one. So I was a happy camper. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, it sounds like it could have gone as well as it was going to go.
1: Yeah. And, and John too, like he's caught it. I mean, how many re- letters of recommendation has he written me? He's always been, he's always had my back and he's, he was so happy when I got this job and, you know, Anytime we go to New York, we'll go to the Vanguard and hang and same old John, you know?
0: Yeah. Was there anything different about studying with him versus previous drum set instruction?
1: I didn't have like a ton of just drum set instruction. It was a lot of, I was just doing it kind of alone. And I was already working out of his books. Yeah. Once, you know, like, because we all have his books. And so... Once I got to him, though, I was like, oh, this is what a technician of the instrument, this is how they teach it. And then when I got to Ed, I was like, oh, and this is a different way. But also, like, in my mind, um, you know, those guys and, like, Kenny Washington are kind of like the master pedagogues of our instruments, you know? Kenny Washington is has a, just such a deep understanding of jazz history. That's why they call him the Jazz Maniac, you know? But um, I think uh, between those three, those are our, like, main big-time drum set pedagogues. And they don't teach the same, but um, how they teach and their understanding of uh, providing tools so that students can make informed decisions, they're all on that same page.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, so you working out of his books, was there anything once you get to him where, where you know, like you said, the um, give you the tools and get out of the way, was there anything where he's like, tweak this, 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 okay, You're a different player. Yeah.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 He, um, I was really, um, trying to get my ride cymbal sound together. Mm -hmm. And so, like, for about, I think it was like six or seven months, I was like playing only the ride cymbal pattern for like at least an hour a day. And at one point, he's like, Hey, I think this, you know, this is what I hear. Try accenting here. So that kind of stuff. But also with him, he was so open to like, I, 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 what I would do, for one of the years was like I wanted to learn like as many grooves as possible so Mm -hmm. he just like I'd say okay like I'd put on the the recorder and I would just like tape him playing different grooves and explaining what they are and then I'd transcribe them and learn them so I was working on a lot of transcription then too um with him and then with Ed it was like Ed made me a better drummer in five months than I had you know done work in years because he just he flipped a different switch in my brain I don't know how to explain it other than that he just he did something in my brain that (laughs) just made me I don't know it's just like I didn't know I had like a sixth gear. you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and then I just was like so hardcore and I just changed I don't know I don't know how to explain it. It's just one of those things.
0: Did that happen fast? Like when you immediately start working, you're like, oh my gosh.
1: Um, it kind of, a couple months in, I was like, and then there, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I was just like, oh, I was just understanding the instrument differently. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it. That was a lot of transcription too, like of, I had done like a, a Thelonious Monk, Drummers uh, research project with him, so I was analyzing like six different drummers and how they were playing with him. So I was doing a lot of comping, um, transcription, and then trying to like of the of the six different drummers be able to like the goal was to be able to play like six different drummers on a recital on different tunes. So like I was like, okay, how am I gonna do this? So he made me. He's like, here's the task, figure it out. I was like. Oh, so what I did was, um, I analyzed every drummer inside and out on every recording that they did, they made with monk and some of them like Billy Higgins was like one, it was like the black Hawk or whatever, but I, I took different colored, um, construction paper and assigned mm-hmm. them to each drummer. So like, um, Frankie Dunlop was purple, whatever. And so I would, I had done all these huge transcriptions and then on my practice room walls at North Texas, I put like different rows for each drummer. So like my Frankie Dunlop one was purple and I had like big Frankie Dunlop isms like that. I wrote out either in English or like, um, uh, stuff he would, he would play a lot. Like he did a lot of toms. Like that's was his interaction thing, whatever. And I do that there. And so I did Roy Haynes, uh, Billy Higgins, uh, Blakey, Ben Riley, I think that was it i can't remember anyway so and then basically that's how i took this macro level objective broke it down micro and then on the gig um successfully to the best of my ability did that i also was very advantageous and there's a you know monk live at the town hall recording um where Hal Overton was like the only person that Monk trusted to arrange his music, um, had taken, he, he transcribed, a, a Monk solo from the prestige, like trio recording, and then arranged it for like tuba French horn for that town hall ensemble. So I decided it was a good idea to try to do the same thing. So I did the same thing on, uh, I took a Monk, uh, transcript, I transcribed a Monk solo from the same prestige, um. A trio record uh, off of baya and i or i orchestrated it for the town hall ensemble and then we did that there too so i did two of those as well so you know that was kind of cool
0: yeah that's amazing <laughs> it was a
1: lot of work but it was like damn like this guy changed me like yeah i don't know it, it was like the most change in a truncated time period in my life on the drum set he changed my life. I'll put it that way.
0: I <laughs> think that's fair to say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So Colleen, I finish out with a segment called random ass questions. Oh God. <laughs> All right. What is an issue? First question is, what is an issue in percussion education or percussion performance that most gets under your skin or drives you the most nuts? One? <laughs> I, well, you can, you know, do take that where you want, wherever you want to go.
1: Something that I had mentioned earlier mm-hmm. regarding my colleague Scott Herring in a positive light is that Scott very much respects the drum set as an instrument, and he he could he could play, you know, and he teaches it in his lessons, and he very much respects me and my background and history and study and research and playing so much so that he gives me some of his students you know he's like colleen i'm maxed out on what i can and he he's he's very he's like i what i tell them is very limited compared to your expertise um and it's out of respect you know so i'm lucky that i work with a percussion teacher that understands that the drum set is equally as important as all the other instruments my pet peeve with percussion education and percussion methods courses when we teach you know future band directors how to teach percussion is that they get drum set for like 30 minutes or something
0: right
1: you know as part of the curriculum where drum set should be half of the curriculum sorry but because that's also going to be um, integral in them starting a jazz band or um rock band or whatever it is, you know um and so <clears throat> what bothers me is when people they have their opinions about what music is and they don't include black music in those opinions. and um you know i'm 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 a white woman that teaches black music, but I've given my whole life to this and I will give my whole life and continue to give my whole life to this. So, you know, I see that as well. It's like, well, you're just the drum set teacher. Well, actually, the drum set is one of the most important instruments in American history. And as Bob Breithaupt and I talk more and more about His struggles with this when he was at Capitol for 40 years, making sure that people understand that the drum set is as as important, if not more important than other areas of study in percussion. I'm sorry, but it's true. And because it's it's rooted in black music, uh, this is my opinion, but we don't get the same respect as other instruments in percussion study. So that's my pet peeve and it's problematic everywhere, you know, and, and Bob, uh, Bob has made this amazing resource that he's, he's trying to get out there for specifically for methods classes in the collegiate level, specifically about the drum set. And, you know, and I'll say this too, like I had mentioned earlier that I went to North Texas jazz camp in 1998, Bob was on the bill. On one of them, 98 or 99. So I met him when I was little. And um, I get this email. I had done a, a research poster for the Gen Conference, the Jazz Education Network conference, um, about my, you know, a truncated version of my dissertation. Out of the blue, Bob writes me this wicked long email about my research and how he's into it. And he's so happy that this has been done, and et cetera, et cetera. And you know what? I reminded him he wouldn't have remembered, right? I said, man, you know, like we actually met when I was tiny. And he goes, oh my God. Of course I remember. You're the only girl there at the camp. And so we kind of like rekindled this friendship. And when I was doing Jazz Girls Day in Columbus, I did it at uh, in partnership with Jazz Arts Group, who um, the... Um, One of my previous students from North Texas, she just got a job with, she's from there, but she got a job with Jazz Arts Group. And it's like, we're rehearsing in the Bob Breithop room. You know, he was the president of of JAG for a long time and he came and it was just like amazing. He fully supported the hiring of me at USC. He is in support of, of people getting hired at academic institutions that respect our instrument and know about the history and care about teaching kids about the history of the instrument and so that's how i feel about that we're on an email thread him and me and it's and you know other jazz drum set educators you know he'll send stuff out and and which is amazing um and it's like i'm in a very small circle of of jazz drum set educators that ha- are privileged enough to have jobs like this it's an uphill battle because of the age of our instrument, the fact that so many people degrade our instrument without even realizing it, you know, comments rooted in, well, my kids have to learn something legitimate or whatever, you know, yeah. stuff we've all heard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like, you know, as I get older, I'm like, that's not funny. And you actually mean it. Right. You know, and th- when I hear it from people that have, you know, Big jobs—that's really troubling. You know that—that's our battle. That's our battle. It's—it's making me think about you know maybe starting something like a drum set meetup, drum set only. I'm on the the PAS drum set committee, so I'm surrounded by amazing cats that have big big plans for our instrument, and so you know that's been floated around with USC being so supportive of. The jazz program and of me i don't know maybe this is something we need to host let's let's have you know some kind of drum set meetup at the university of south carolina and and talked about why our instrument is a legitimate instrument yeah seems like a reasonable ask you know
0: well it's interesting you know the the the, what you you're you what you made me think of is you know, that room is not necess- or uh, Most of the people in that room are not going to need to be convinced.
1: <laughs> no, but if we have a photo and it's here. Yeah. As far as I know, the only uh, woman that has a, a full-time drum set job at a university, you know, Terry Lynn, of course, teaches drum set, but she's, the boss of so many things that's not the only thing she's doing you know
0: yeah
1: allison miller not not full-time she's at the new school you, you know what i mean like this is an opportunity
0: yeah
1: um you know those guys don't need convincing but who we put it in front of do
0: yeah and i think that would that would be a great idea and it, it is really challenging as someone who's taught methods classes even like not even, even relatively recently it, because it's hard to figure out because there's like the, the level of teaching and I actually come up against this with when, you know, trying to incorporate a little bit of jazz and in, in let's say like a music, like a classical music history course, for example, yeah. where yeah. there's part of me that wants to cover it more in that class. And then there's another part that says, this is actually not enough. Not this is going to dip my toe in but this actually Mm -hmm. requires it requires its own course like
1: yeah
0: like it's hard so i I don't want to it's like and in some ways like i don't want to other it by giving it like yeah drops you know
1: but at the same time like like no one's gonna be hurt if they hear the name duke ellington
0: oh yeah yeah right i know (laughs) you you know i mean yeah
1: you know like you still ask, like I, I did a camp last week and we had campers like little campers mm-hmm. and I said, How many of you have heard of Louis Armstrong? Almost the entire room raised their hand. That's American music. Yeah, I mean it it's frustrating. Yeah. It's frustrating because yes, um, you know, the cats that, that teach the the you know the general music history courses or whatever they're trying to give a drive-by of Mm -hmm. everybody possible it's like well you know jazz musicians and women always get the shaft right yeah i'm not saying always i mean i have colleagues here that are are really good about not doing that you know like really good about it um but i'm just saying in general you know like and of course yeah you're you're required to cover like a hundred years of history 200 whatever it is (laughs) in like 15 weeks it's totally difficult i mean i feel bad I feel bad in my um, survey jazz history course that I'm not getting deep enough. And it's like, well, I mean, I'm doing the best I can. Sure, yeah. But they're still going to leave and and they're going to remember Louis Armstrong and they're going to remember Jelly Roll Morton and King Oliver and Miles Davis and Cindy Blackman Santana because I'm making an effort to make sure they understand that that's all interconnected. Yeah. So I would say some is better than none.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's fair yeah
1: because then then you're that's all all our job is in the university is to spark curiosity right i'm always like just go down a rabbit hole i don't care what it is Mm -hmm. go on the tom laura jazz discography see how many recordings Louis armstrong was on in his lifetime see how many you know uh, recordings duke ellington like just see that stuff look up your name have you been on a record before type your own name in there yeah you know so there it's just. it's just That kind of thing, because that's that's the best thing that we can do is just encourage curiosity, because then that that means they have even just slightly more possibility of being lifelong learners. That's my pet peeve. That's it's and it's disruptive and discouraging uh, if we think about it in a certain way, Mm -hmm. but if we think about it in a in a positive way, through example and again just showing excellence Mm -hmm. through our music. Yeah. And showing the resources we have just in the state of South Carolina. So many amazing jazz musicians have come out of here, born here. Um, I just, you know, we have here we have we have Gullah music. Um, you know, the, the um, Gullah culture and community is from uh, North Carolina down through northern Florida. Charleston is a mecca of of Gullah musicians. Quentin Baxter, uh, Charlton Singleton, uh, Kiana Parler all of reiki tanky reiki tanky wouldn't exist without um you know their Gullah gospel r&b and jazz influences so if anyone listening to the podcast doesn't remember anything else look up Ranky tanky
0: <laughs> cool all right uh some other questions and these now we're going to get kind of the weird fun ones i think uh has anyone ever nailed an impression of you and if so how'd they do it
1: not that I know of. I don't want to know. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. No. <laughs> I hopefully not. I don't know. Hopefully, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'm at that point yet. Yours now. I mean, I mean, my my Gordon one is pretty spot on. I I don't do any other impressions, just him.
0: Yeah.
1: But that's pure love. That's yeah, of course. That's, that's my guy. You know, he's yeah. like. You, you know, you, he's always there for me.
0: You know, you know that he's heard impressions of him his entire life.
1: Of course I have. Shit. <laughs> I'm not even using all the fun words. We like um, to swear, you know,
0: <laughs> there, there is an e-rating on here. So if you, if you swear, it's fine.
1: No, I mean, I've been trying to you know because if I open that, like, if mm, I'm coming back from it. <laughs> I am in my university office. I'm on the university internet. I'm not going to be doing Fair anything enough. wild with, yeah, with my square.
0: Yeah. <laughs> nice. What is the most impractical item of clothing you want? Asia Wilson jersey. I don't need oh, that. Oh, that's good. No, well, that's practical in the right situation. But
1: I mean, it, it's, I always have to wear a shirt under it because it's like really big oh oh yeah. so, like it's and it's always hot here, so I'm always but also, also it's freezing in my office um uh-huh. I mean i I do I'm not wearing one now, but i I do rock hats a lot mm. like a lot a lot a lot a lot so I've got I'll rock my good hands drum shop hat, which is my 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 best buddy up in New York Jess Birch um I'll rock a Carolina hat Yankees you know, I always rock the hometown team what else do i have i have a lot of hats it's kind of bad yeah i was like i need another one it's like no you don't even have i don't even have like a hat rack and i need it it's like bad um let's see what else i've got um of course my usc jazz hat so i guess those are impractical but listen it's freaking sunny and hot here all the time so it's practical i don't know yeah. man this is a weird one i don't know okay
0: Sorry. I think the Jersey one is a good one. I like that. Jersey
1: Cause it's not like, I'm just doing that for like, I'm just trying to rep, you know?
0: Yeah, of course. What is a great movie and what is a terrible movie?
1: I mean, Arnold is on my mind. Cause we're watching the Arnold documentary. It's great. That's great.
0: Oh, uh Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. It's three parts. It's another, that's not a movie. I'm getting to where yeah. I'm going. Um, the first part is the athlete. The second part is the actor. And the third part is the politician. So watch the first two parts. Um, It's intriguing because he really is the epitome of the American dream. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. You know?
0: Like it's, it's literally shocking that he even got to the United States.
1: Yeah. And then had, had that vision. Like he keeps talking about the vision the whole time is I I was going to be the best bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. Did it. I was going to be the most famous actor at that time. Yeah. Did it, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars was already a millionaire in the 70s because of the products uh with what is his name uh Weeder yeah, yeah. Joe Weeder, yeah I mean and then the real estate I mean cat was like on top of it um anyway so I don't know. Terminator is in my head I mean it's <laughs> yeah it's a great it's a great movie um people are going to be like what the hell um but that's just on, on the top of my head right now bad movie shoot i mean listen i gotta also say a really great movie is the bob's burgers
0: movie oh i haven't i haven't caught that
1: it's it's fantastic
0: okay it's good. great
1: great goofy music I, I mean it's i'm i love cartoons so mm. and i love bobs um and actually i have like i have my little people can't see this but i have a yeah my bob's burgers daily
0: calendar nice. anyway
1: bad movie shoot i don't know i don't know i mean we watch a lot of movies too this is bad but even like a bad movie i'd i'd vouch for it because there's a lot of effort put into it you know
0: fair hmm. sure <laughs> enough
1: <laughs> you know like i just because that that's like that's like you know like you you do like a record right and you're like you know like or, or your buddy does a record or something and it gets bad reviews and you're like no we put all that Effort into it, so I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna veto the bad one because I would still I'm that personality that's like, no, there were good parts of it. You know what I mean? Does sure. that fair? Is that all right? That's fine. Okay, you're oh, not happy with me right now. I'm
0: sorry. You know, it's your choice. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's switch up. What's a, what's a favorite book?
1: Oh well, I mean, we already talked about the monk. What's, oh yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, sophisticated giant too. Um, I've already read it a few times. Um, I'm not going to lie, I love the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series. Oh, yeah. Those are good. Um, and what else? Yeah, I love some like like some of that thriller mystery stuff. I'm reading something called, it's a history thing, Bad Mexicans. It's about Revolutionary War era stuff. Hey. It's actually pretty cool. I'm always kind of reading about jazz, honestly, or history, or Mexican history. It's kind of my, obviously my thing. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool.
1: Oh, you know what? One more. Uh, yeah. Kluke. Um, the story of Kenny Clark. It's really hard to find. I found a copy oh. for like $89. It was like really ridiculous. Um, I don't have it with me here, but it's Mike Hennessy. And it's the only one about just Kenny Clark. That is killing. If you can find it, or if your library has it, tell them to put it on special reserves. I'd had the library upstairs do that because um, it's really hard to find.
0: Mm. It, is there a particular reason? It's so hard to find. It was just like a small printing or something like that? or
1: I think... I, think i think it was like limited printing um because again like again uh, expat kenny clark you know people not as familiar but i mean is the the modern innovator of 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 drum set playing i mean he's the one that decided oh my gosh we got to use you know that's why my research ends at 1941 because kenny clark is already experimenting in the late 30s with how to be more coordinated with drum set playing, using all the limbs and manipulating the ride cymbal pattern. So instead of ding 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 ding, he's going ding 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 You know, and and then Tony does ding 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 ding. You know, the five. Anyway, so rabbit hole. But anyway, yeah, that's the killing one. It's called Kluk. That was his um nickname, up. The bebop, bebop stuff. Yeah.
0: Jazz related. I meant I was going to ask you this earlier, but this is a perfect time to ask it. Do you have a favorite uh go to? jazz scat phrase to just like you know when you're you're giving someone like a rhythmic thing and and you're like uh shibadaboo or something like that to just kind of
1: sure i mean eighth notes i'm like do da do da do which is Justin to cho thing um but yeah if i'm if i'm scatting or trying to sing something i'm just trying to i'm not usually using like the same phrase mm-hmm. you know but I'm usually like B, B's and D's. So that's kind of, I don't usually use the, the shiz or the skiz. Mm. There's a really great dissertation specifically about the scat syllables that Ella used. Mm. Uh, written, written by Justin Binek, who was a colleague of mine at North Texas. He did the doctor too. Um, It's really, really incredible work. Oh yeah. If anyone's interested in that. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, All right. What's a, you, we've kind of hinted at this a little bit, but what are your sports fandoms
1: now? I mean, nowadays uh, it's, it's mostly um, tennis, soccer and basketball. I'm super happy for Novak Djokovic. Uh, it's a big deal that he he's at 23 Grand Slams. Um uh Serena's retirement was a big deal. Um it's going to be interesting in the modern era to see like if there is going to be a solid number 1 on the female side. Um we'll see. Uh yeah. Suet, Iga Swiatek is pretty baller. She's amazing. Um yeah. soccer-wise uh we watch both men's and women's, but with the World Cup coming up, um we're huge fans of France., ah. don't kill me, people. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, style of play, and of course, Marta and Brazil. I just wish yeah. that they would they could finish, like I don't know why they can't score more goals, but anyway, marta, greatest uh, people use goat way too often, yeah. uh, and I think it's ridiculous now, but um marta is is the greatest female and one of the greatest soccer players to ever walk the earth and I mean American wise, I mean Carly Lloyd one of my favorites, favorite athletes. Um, and if anyone needs inspiration or, or any, any daily upkeep with, with mindset and goals, follow Carly Lloyd. I mean, that woman went through everything possible, um, including not talking to her family for 11 years, choosing the sport over the family for various reasons. Um, you know, even the sport didn't think that she could be one of the greatest, but she's, she's probably the greatest American to ever play soccer. You know, and I hope the girls do good, of course, you know, but the style of play from the women's side in, in, in France, Wendy Renard, I mean, they, it's just beautiful soccer playing. Don't get mad at me, people. I'm just saying I like beautiful sport, you know, um, basketball, of course, we're, you know, Aliyah Boston is killing it in the WNBA, yeah. which is wonderful. Already uh, an all-star hasn't happened since 2014, they said already like Eastern conference player of the week, rookie of the month. I don't know all all the accolades. Um, So now we're kind of Indiana fever fans, which is new that had never happened before. (laughs) I'm old school though. Like I mentioned earlier, I love Diana, you know um, Phoenix Mercury are terrible right now. They're really terrible. Um, It's hard to watch them play, but um, you know, our team obviously at home is uh, the Las Vegas aces, Uh, Chelsea gray monster point guard. The hookup with uh, with Asia is wonderful. The addition of Candice Parker has been interesting. Uh, it's interesting to, to not see her play so many minutes because that team is so good. They don't need her to play so many minutes, which is probably better for her health. We're the same age. We're getting old, you know? And so um, I think, I think uh, it's good for well, you're not, But
0: you're not logging major minutes for the Las Vegas Aces at this time.
1: Nah, nah. I'm logging major minutes on my, on my back here in the kit, of man. You yeah. know, like... But, um, that, that's, that's, you know, um, that's pretty, pretty fantastic. But those are, those are kind of the, the things we're at U S open is always, uh, you know, our, one of our favorite events to watch. Um, and so we'll see, I mean, it's, I don't know if Novak can be healthy. Great. You know, I don't, I don't know what's going on with Rafa. He had a surgery or something. Um, He's out for the year. Yeah. So I, and, and amazing player, um, uh, amazing for spain always always wonderful but you know carlos is, is a little badass too so uh, i think carlos could be the the next young cat you know because he's 19 or 20 or something I think like he that, just right?
0: turned 20
1: he's a baby so yeah. yeah i mean carlos could 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 really um be in the running if he stays healthy and he stays on track i mean yeah you know, I always love to watch, um, I was talking about coaches earlier, Patrick, you know, Patrick, um, Murata glue, um, he he has amazing videos, um, you know, breaking down, uh, simple stuff like technique and shots or players. So it's, it's a good, um, if anyone is looking for ways to analyze players, like jazz in jazz or music, look at Patrick's uh, analysis of like Djokovic, Federer, um, he has a bunch of them of the greats. Um, even Pete Sampras, like all all of the the history or whatever, he'll he'll take videos and show why they were great. Mm-hmm. That's a really good example for students to try to do that, like, huh? Why, why did Kenny Clark sound like that? Hmm, let's compare him to Max Roach. Hmm, let's com- you know, XYZ. And yeah. so I try to use that as models too. Guys, you can do this, you know, um, in your own sport or music, you know.
0: I, I've told this a number of times, but uh one of the, the great kind of days of my life was getting going to Wimbledon about a decade what? ago now. And I got to see I not only got to see Federer play on center court, which was like the dream. He's one of my favorite athletes of all time, but We named a the
1: dog stage, after him. What's that? <laughs> we named the dog
0: <laughs> we
1: named the, the dog Roger Lewis Arturo Ellington the first. Roger oh, that's for amazing. Federer you know, Lewis Armstrong, you know, and Ellington. Anyway. Yeah. That's amazing.
0: That's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's so great. Uh, But so the cool thing was this gets into kind of the practice thing is. So there are at Wimbledon, there are all these practice courts that are well away from the main for well away from where the, the, the actual tournament is played. However, Rafa and Roger were both the, they did their practice on one of the regular courts and so they were, like my wife and I were walking around, and we're like, "Why is everyone? Why is there a ton of people over here?" Because it, it was like ten thirty in the morning local time. Like we hadn't started yeah. yet, and it was Federer and then Rafa warming up, and it was wild awesome. to see kind of like the difference between the two of them. Because as you could imagine, style. Federer is just like smooth, easy. Yeah. He's barely trying, and he's throwing drop shots, just like yeah, right, just like money. No- and Rafa's hitting bombs, like, yeah. just cr- yeah. like you could hear the whistle. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and and that's, I think, too, like, I think it's been incredible that he's been so healthy for so long with how he plays. You know what I mean? Like, because he's so physical. He's yeah. so physical. And Rogers is just, it's completely different. I mean, um, that, that must have been amazing. That's one of our, yeah, bucket lists you know yeah it's mm-hmm. awesome you,
0: you gotta mm-hmm. go it's so cool yeah well and the other thing you know in person i don't know why like i know that rafa is he's still like one or 6'2 even though he seems like he's shorter than a lot of players because
1: so muscular that's
0: the thing like in person you're like oh my goodness this he's dude jacked. is massive <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: yeah absolutely he doesn't look like a tennis player well it, i mean if you were to see the, the the serve arm versus you then you're like, oh yes. yeah, of course. But um but yeah, he's like he's jacked. Jacked. And then jacked. and then you look at Novak, you know, and Novak doesn't have any muscles. I mean, not really. Like right. if you just like if he's walking in plain clothes, there's no way you would be like, huh? Eh? Yeah. no way. And then Roger too, I mean, yeah, a little bit more uh like shape, you know, form yeah. than than he's kind of like in between the two of them, you know, right. it's like but damn like yeah. this yeah. guy but wow. carlos i i I do i think the future is really bright for carlos i do yeah i do i think he could, he could really be the next one and it's so cool for spain it's a big deal you know
0: yeah yeah so you have carly lloyd over mia Hamm.
1: different generation yeah i'm okay. i'm not that old <laughs> <laughs> but carly too i mean
0: she kind of almost spanned both, right? She
1: did. She was yeah. she was super young cat. She um, and I'm trying to think too. Like you think about like uh, those serious moments when they needed goals, it was always Carly. She was always yeah. reliable.
0: She and Megan Rapino were like the two most clutch. I thought.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I it's going to be a different team. I mean, they yeah. it's it's cool that it's young.
0: Yes, it needs. They need to. The next generation needs to step up.
1: And that's where I'm like Diana. It's amazing. She's Tarazi is still in yeah. great shape.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. But the league is so small. Cats are getting cut, and I don't know. Listen, I I always be like I grew up with that, so I'll always Diana. be a fan of hers. And um, you know, hopefully we'll get out to Phoenix and and see a mm-hmm. game. But it, it time is cutting. It, it, I mean, yeah. it's I think it's almost time. It's but on the other hand, it's amazing she's still in shape enough to play a full season. 42, right? 40 41
0: or 42. She's somewhere around there, yeah.
1: So I mean, but you know, Aaliyah Boston, that's the I mean, here's the thing. Aaliyah Boston and Asia Wilson played uh each other a couple days ago and, and whatever. Yeah. And it's like, wow, Don has the current and the future of the WNBA. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. So the coaching style, again, being, I mean, being a good teacher, being a good doctor, you know, being a good coach, you got to be up on everything. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want the doc that has the science from 20 years ago. You want the doc that knows what the hell is going on. So you can have some options, right? Same thing with the coaching style and teaching style. Same thing. So she has this vision of like, okay, Leah Boston's doing so well in the WNBA because I prepared for, well, I mean, she did, all, she did her work, obviously, but she was prepared properly. Right. So these college coaches got to get their stuff together and and help them. Uh, it's a different style of play, but like they got to help them better prepare for that. You know? Yeah. Same thing like we're doing here. What do you want to do when you get out of here? Okay, we're going to do our, our damnedest to give you every single tool and option so that right. you can be successful as soon as possible. Yeah. not have to wait and learn stuff and et cetera, et cetera.
0: Where is somewhere that you have not traveled to that you still want to get to?
1: I mean, I, I would like to get to, to Rio de Janeiro. I haven't been there yet. I've been to other parts of South America, but, but uh, not there yet. Been a lot of cool places. I mean, South Carolina is pretty cool too, you know?
0: There's a lot in that state, actually.
1: There's a lot. There's a lot to do. I mean, in, in the U.S., it's like such a vast... Right. Place, um, but yeah, I'm Rio would be great. I would love to hear some some music and you know, just right. be around that. um Yeah, if I were to pick one for now, yeah, I'd be there. Great. mm-hmm
0: second South Carolina, you got Greenville and Charleston, which are both two incredible cities. i call me too, but I mean Greenville and Charleston.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean Greenville now. They're saying like it's like really, really exploding. A lot of New Yorkers coming down, so. Sorry about that, everybody. But uh, yeah. Charleston's great too, because I mean, it's a port city. Yeah. Uh, my mom's from from Newport, Rhode Island. So mm. it's, it kind of reminds me a little bit of that vibe. Yeah. Same kind of, it's funny, like same kind of furniture. Like, like I don't know, yeah. it's just a weird, you know, fresh, fresh seafood, Um, that, that kind of thing. I mean, it's uh, it's great. I mean, the state has everything. It's got the upstate, it's got the mountains, if you want to do that. Midlands here, you know, we got university and, and a lot of hip things happening. And then if you want water,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: Myrtle Beach is is an option, of course, but you know, Charleston is is more of the historically uh relevant, you know, um yeah. if you're into that um city, you know, and especially for for people that are 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 visiting from you know port cities, you'll notice a lot of the same kind of vibe. It's cool.
0: Yeah gotcha. All right, when you head back to Connecticut visiting folks or friends or whatever, where do you have to eat before you can like like legitimately then start talking to people and you know.
1: <laughs> okay. Um well, I mean, when I visit I'm I go and I see I my goal is to see my grandfather who's 101 years old. Um, we are from a tiny town called Colchester, and in that tiny town we have uh, a family restaurant um, that is run by an amazing Greek family um, And so it's called Family Pizza and that's that's where we go. That's where my grandpa likes to go. Uh, it's the best people in the world. Um, we grew up with with their their boys. My one of my classmates from high school, he just took over the he just took over the restaurant, Dimitri. and um so it's just it's every time I walk in there, it's it's like cheers. Everybody knows us. Um, we're one of the last families, like old school families too, in town. You know, everyone treats my grandpa right. And that's all I really care about. So you're there. But if if we were talking like, if I were to put on my snobby <laughs> pizza hat, uh huh, I got to go to New Haven and I got to go to Pepe's. But I will say the Pepe's in Mohegan Sun... Is just as good. And it's 10 minutes from our house. So, nice. but if you, if you want to, you know, you, you want to wait in line. I mean, one time we waited in line outside in the winter for over an hour. We stood there. That's insane. That's a crazy, what, what is wrong with us? Right. <laughs> but we wanted it so badly because it's, yeah. it's the best. And they got a great salad.
0: It's wild. I'm, I've like a number of people, some like who've gone to Yale and who like have like New York, like ties and everything. and. and and a lot of them are like, no, seriously, like some of the best pizzas in New Haven. Yeah, like,
1: yeah, my my colleagues. Like, is, is
0: it, was it there? Th- there's like three places that are like really well known there, or something like that. And people have like I their camps. It's two.
1: It's, two. it's Sally's oh. and Pepe's. Okay. And they're across the street from each other. So usually, uh-huh. if you if you if you can't get into Pepe's, you go to Sally's. Oh, that's. <laughs> <laughs> um my colleague here we're doing a tour in in new york and uh new york city and and doing some stuff um you know we're gonna go on tour and he's like uh he keeps joking he's like hey colleen are we still going on tour in new haven because all he wants is pepe so i'm like god damn it <laughs> like we're, we're playing in new york city dude he's like we're going to New haven right And like oh my god yes we're gonna <laughs> drive through new haven everybody's gonna get a slice and then we're going to go up north. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Ridiculous.
0: This is what, this is what, what I, part of what I love about whenever I talk to someone who's from that area is like someone who's not from there would look, would like, just look at a map and be like, it's not that far away. And I'm like, no, no, it's, it's such a disaster trying to drive.
1: Well, that was part of the deal. I'm like, you're going to, you're going to drive Colleen. Right. I'm like, yeah, I'll drive everybody. Don't worry. You know, and it, it, it's funny when we moved here, they're like, "Oh, where you cats live?" and I, I told them, and uh, they're like, "Oh, there's like a lot of construction on the highway. You're gonna have like a hard time getting into work." And I'm like, "Like, what does that mean?" They're like, "Well, instead of like 12 minutes, it'll be like 18." I'm like, <laughs> "Cool." And they're they're so sweet. Everyone is yeah. so sweet. Here. I'm like, "Oh, okay, thank you." I'm like. Yeah. Hey. Whereas, like, I'd 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 call home. I'd be like, Hey, I'll be home in maybe an hour, maybe yeah. two hours, right? And maybe I'll text you, but I'll be on the train. So yes. God only knows what's gonna happen. <laughs> Love you. Bye. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then I walk right. in the door. And it's like, oh, huh! yes, <laughs> like, exhausting. You know. You know.
0: Yeah. I was just talking to someone who who's uh, in Los Angeles and. We were the, we. I had this whole discussion about how new, like, and I, California, I think, is the same way. Where like the first, like, when you first get to see your family in the Northeast somewhere, the first like three hours are just traffic. That's all yeah. you talk about, and then you get into like how the, how are Absolutely. you doing? Like, yeah,
1: oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to believe this. Like, the west side, there was, like, it was, like an accident, and there's like, one lane, and then nobody was moving. And then you get up to the hutch, and it's like, you think it's done, and it's not, and then you're on the Merritt Parkway, and there's like, another accident, and then you can barely get to New Haven. And then, then you're on 91, and it's like, oh, my God,
0: what's wrong with us? <laughs> God. Yeah, you, that's like, now I'm home. You just, thank you, colleague, you just brought me yeah. home right there.
1: Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, man, and then I had to stop. And I get, like, I had to get Dunkin' Donuts. Like, what about, What else am I going to eat? You know, there's nothing, there's nothing there. Merritt Parkway is just freaking mobile and, and Dunkin' Donuts. It's like, yeah. So are you hungry? No, I ate all these donuts all the other way. <laughs> but I'm so pissed. I'm hungry. Yeah, give me some dinner. It's like, oh, my God. What is wrong with us?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. us.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's us. I mean.
0: Awesome. All right. <laughs> Last couple, strangest, funniest, or most bizarre performance moment that involves you?
1: Ugh, I don't know if I want to tell this one. Okay, I'll tell it. All
0: right, sweet.
1: One of my early gigs in New York, I got asked to sub on a variety show. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's, it's like, you know, one of these, these uh, little bars off of Times Square. And I I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll take the hundred bucks. No problem. What do I have to do? Oh, you're just going to, you know, there's a piano player and um, just kind of like follow what he's doing. I'm like, okay. I get down there and I'm like, okay, cool. And they're like, oh, here's the, like the run of show or whatever. And it's just a different, um, it's a variety show, right? So, you know, whatever.
0: Every genre is on the, is on the board basically.
1: Right. So. We get to the like grand finale and the grand finale is like uh, Guinness world record holder for sword swallowing. Okay. And, and I like almost threw up, like I was playing, but like, couldn't stop watching, but also was getting so nauseous. I was like, this is, this is awful. I, what am I doing with myself? What, what is happening? And I got home. I'm like, never again. It was awful. It was awful. And it was like, it was one of these things. It wasn't like, just like the lady was like sword swallowing. Mm-hmm. It was like, she was like doing like, um, she was like backwards, like a backflip handstand. I don't know what it was. It was so disturbing. I just can't unsee it. That was like 12 years ago. It was awful. It was so out. I, so, I don't wait, even I don't even think I let them pay me. I'm like I gotta go home. I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta get out of here.
0: Wait, so you were you were playing while yes. this was going on?
1: Yeah, it was supposed to like you know like like make it more, you know, intense and energetic, oh, like
0: sure
1: for each act. Like, you know, you just kind of like follow whatever their weird thing they were doing. Gotcha. It was so out. Yeah. That's the weirdest one. That's a good one. It's awful. I had a lot of questions for myself on the ride home.
0: (laughs) It was bad. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right. (laughs) Colleen, last question. What one piece of art could be music, movies, books, podcasts, YouTube clips, theater, visual art, poetry, anything has impacted you the most recently?
1: Well, you know, I was playing at, um, I was at uh, Brevard you know doing the jazz institute and we had some reception like with branford and we were all hanging out or whatever and um i look at the wall and i was like we're in some like random room Mm -hmm. and i was like i look up i'm like oh my god is that a pollock and it was and i was like for whatever reason like pollock um just always stops me in my tracks. Because I think the the um, the grandiose nature of the works, and I've seen a lot of them. Like I, I, I love art, I love visual art. I used to go to the museums a lot in New York. That's one thing I do miss a little bit of. And whenever I saw Pollock, it was just like, it's a lot of effort to do something good. Meaning like, a lot of practice and a lot of time and sacrifice. And, you know, back in the day, um, John Riley had told me something. He's like, you know, if you want to, you want to be a player in New York, you really can't leave. Like you you can't like leave for more than a week or two. And that was like kind of daunting when he said it to me, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. So like, for example, when I was doing my doctorate, I didn't tell anyone I was in Texas because I didn't want to lose the gigs that I had. So I would just schedule stuff around and I kind of kept it to myself for as long as possible, right? And it just reminds me of the fact that if you invest your life into something, it'll show. The hard work will show. Whenever I see a Pollock, it's just a reminder that if you just don't give up, Something's going to come out of it. And so that happened about a week ago. Two, oh God, I, don't know, I don't know what day it is anymore. Anyway, it happened recently. But it reminded me that you know, whenever I see a work of his, I'm like, that's a physical representation of hours, hundreds, thousands of hours of work. And just a reminder just to not stop. Don't give up you know, for, for, for young artists too, you know, you could be on a sword swallowing gig and you think to yourself, what in the hell am I doing? But you know what? The guy that gave me that gig is still my buddy. We're fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) You know, I needed that moment to like snap into reality. Okay. What am I doing here? How serious am I? I need to start to say no to things. Right. You know, I need to to start doing these things so that this next thing can come sooner than I had planned. And going back to Arnold, I know it's kind of funny, but Arnold always had has had a vision. I'm gonna be the best at this. And sports is it's different because you can actually win awards that say you're the best at it. Right. You know, he whatever Mr. Universe. I don't know what it was. Anyway, I can't remember. The bodybuilding stuff, you know. We don't have that. But we have the the capability of showing our body of work, whether it's through recordings, compositions, teaching, and I think most importantly, community activation and and inspiration. And so if you are able to, young people, realize the power that you have to inspire the next young person, you are unstoppable.
0: Okay. Colleen, we are done
1: awesome pete hey thanks so much for finding me i appreciate it
0: you're welcome uh, this was this was a pleasure really enjoyed it
1: oh man me too and uh keep i mean the podcast is super bad so keep that up good oh, for you thanks man thanks i, I mean it. you got so many cool people on there i was like my gosh anyway i appreciate it i'm, I'm what i'm trying to say is i'm very grateful thank you so much
0: oh you're very welcome It has been such a joy having Colleen on for these two shows. I wish her all the best for the upcoming years and best of luck in her upcoming PASIC presentation. And I look forward to meeting her in person at some point and checking in with her and her sports and jazz interests in the future. Thanks again, Colleen. This week's Wraith finally, is the 2023 film Oppenheimer, starring Killian Murphy in the title role, along with Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Florence Pugh, among many others, and written and directed by Christopher Nolan, now still playing everywhere. A few weeks ago, in this spot, I had the chance to talk about the book that this film is based on, American Prometheus, written by Martin J. Sherwin and Kai Bird. I'm very, very glad to have enjoyed the book prior to seeing this very good movie based on it. I was surprised that on the showing that my wife and I caught locally at one of our movie theaters in town, two weeks after opening, we were in a sold-out theater. Shocking, but it made sense. If you're a movie fan, you're probably familiar with Christopher Nolan, the person who's been best known for films like The Dark Knight Trilogy, Memento, Interstellar, Tenet, Dunkirk, Inception, etc., Most of these films exist on sprawling, fantastic canvases that tend to make them very much movies you need to see in a theater. This film follows J. Robert Oppenheimer, the physicist played incredibly by Killian Murphy, through the three major phases of his life, his education and development in Europe in the 1920s and 30s, the development of the atomic bomb in Los Alamos, New Mexico, prior to its being dropped in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan, that would wrap up World War II in 1945, and his past ties to communism that came back to haunt him during the Red Scare of the 1950s, mostly led by Louis Strauss, a member of the Atomic Energy Commission who railroaded Oppenheimer and essentially ended his public service career. Strauss is very well rendered in the film by Robert Downey Jr. The other actors mentioned included Matt Damon as General Leslie Groves, a person who oversaw operations at Los Alamos and who, if I'm being honest, gets to Matt Damon it up in this film as a figure who wasn't talked about a ton in the book. Florence Pugh plays Gene Tatlock, a member of the Communist Party USA who had a long-term relationship with Oppenheimer during much of her adult life, which she ended. And Emily Blunt plays Kitty Oppenheimer, Robert's wife, a woman who was both a rock for Oppenheimer through much of his life and had her own demons that she was dealing with. Both Pugh and Blunt play roles that, honestly, should warrant their own films. Both women are rendered as vividly as possible, considering the circumstances, But both were incredibly complex and fascinating characters in their own right. But as is Christopher Nolan's style, he tends to put a ton in his movies as he does here. The three hours of running time moves fast and is completely full, and there really isn't much dead time in a three-hour movie. The score by Ludwig Göransson runs nearly the entire length of the movie, and the editing is both at times a little weird, but frequently very quick and alert. It is a stunning movie to see. But acting-wise, this is Killian Murphy's film. Murphy is visually perfect for the role. I mean, he really looks like J. Robert Oppenheimer. And while he's been acting for a long time, this is his first starring role in a big-time Hollywood film. And he portrays Oppenheimer's reservedness and internality Of character so well It's quite an accomplishment If you haven't done so While it's still summer for some of you Check out Oppenheimer Now still playing, maybe even In a packed cinema And that's our show Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts And leave a comment and a rating You can always find every episode and the show notes At the homepage at PeteZambito.com Slash Pete's Percussion Podcast The Episodes the show is also on SoundCloud, Spotify, and many other podcast locations. If you're on Facebook, like the page Pete's Percussion Podcast, you can find me there on Instagram and Twitter at Pete Zambito or by email at Pete's at gmail.com. And I'll catch you next time. Until then.